This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by our good friend, Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And now it's more important than ever to support our local businesses. So if you have any sort of real estate question, what the market's going to be like after this is all said and done, should I start to get ready to buy or sell? What should I be doing in these times of uncertainty in the housing market? Well, Call or text Laura Lee. She would be glad to answer any and all of your questions and get you prepared for the future. We chose her to buy our first home and she did not disappoint. She answered all our questions. She got us a house at the price range we needed and she even found us a lender that fit our needs. So call or text her and ask her any of these questions you like. Number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. This episode of the podcast was a blast. Another Australian is on the show, Jane Erbacher. She does rowing and ski erg demonstrations, seminars around the world, really. And just a fascinating conversation. There's so much depth to her and her life and what she's been through and her experiences that we can all take from it in any aspect of what we're doing and apply it and it will make sense. So I'll let Jane do all the talking about what she does, what she's about and where she's been. So please, everybody, welcome James Erbacher. There we go. Off and running. All right, Jane, let me know a little bit about, I, I'm like, it's fascinating to me how you have made rowing and ski erg such a big deal. Every time I see it on there, I'm like, it's the most boring thing in the gym most of the time for people. And somehow she has made a business out of teaching people technique. On these things, I and I can, I can, I'll start this off, and I don't want to talk too much as the host right off the bat. But just for an example, I, when I first got on a rower and I was on my toes and I was doing something, these two guys, really good coaches, uh, regional athlete guys, they came up and they were friends of mine. And they went, "Hey, like you need to keep your feet heels on the pad at all time. Like keep your foot flat on there at all time." And when I first did it, it I wasn't as good as I was on my toes. And I was like, this is stupid, man. I mean, I, I'm doing it better this way, but I'm like, you know what? They know what they're talking about. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. Maybe they know something. If they don't, then you can go back. And turns out they were right. And from that point on, I'm like, I'm going to listen to all this technique. And then I rode next to a guy that was a Division One rower in college. And with no straps and a warm-up, he was rowing faster than I can row at my full speed. And he didn't even look like he was sweating. And I was like, man. There is something to this technique in rowing. So how did you get into teaching it? I wish I just recorded you. Um, so I'm going to actually record this off the podcast because everything you said is like word for word what people say to me all the time. <laughs> and it's funny because this morning I went on like a full Instagram rant. Like I was like so frustrated because – so many people have gotten like a rower at home right now in isolation or a ski yoke and they're just getting on and like thrashing around on the machine and I'm like, I promise you it'll be better if you do it right. But it's honestly such a hard thing to get through to people because everything you said is true. Like you do go backwards in terms of your performance when you adjust your technique. Like it does feel miserable. You feel slower. Like it is. it has been so hard to make it like cool and to make it something that people want to be patient with uh, because it's it is the thing in the gym that people often hang bands off or like just warm up on or just use for sprints like it's not the gym equipment that everyone's lined up for it's not like back squats or deadlifts where everybody like is happy to do whenever that comes up so it's been a really big struggle um, to actually uh, make people excited by it. And I think that the way I've actually done it is um, through genuinely being that excited about it myself that it just kind of makes the excitement contagious and people don't really care that it's about something that they're not interested in. They just start getting excited and then they associate that excitement with the rower and the skierg. And so I think that the success I've had has literally just come from me being an excitable person and picking the thing I'm going to be excited about. 
<laughs> so you made you're so exciting. You made the most boring thing exciting. Exactly, exactly. And I often say that I'm like, if I'd chosen a kettlebell to be the tool, um, I would probably have learned to get that excited about the kettlebell because I'm just a really excitable person. Um, but having said that as well, being in isolation, I've got a rower and I've got a kettlebell. And whenever I get the kettlebell out, kettlebells are cool and they do really good stuff and everything. I just am just not, I am, I just can't make myself that excited about it. Whereas the rower, I'm like, I really like this. So I think maybe it's a combination of being excited by it and then also just really liking it. That's, exactly the basis of my entire business <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's a, and this is what's so fascinating is that there's something that's so simple as a rower like you look at it you just pull it as hard as you can and get whatever right but there's so much little tiny technique and we can learn a lot of things just from this in life in general because uh, mm-hmm. if you pay attention and you're coachable on the rower you're going to be coachable on everything because it's the thing that you're like, I, I don't really need it. But then you learn, oh, I do need it. It helps me out in X, Y, and Z. And then you learn that there's details in everything that you do from your job to how you you know function to whatever it is. There's minor details that can seem small, but there's such a huge improvement down the line. Completely. And that's exactly why I've persevered with this. Exactly everything that you've just said is completely spot on. It's like it's so transferable to the other tasks in your life, the attention to detail in this area. And I constantly am looking at gyms and trainers and coaches and it's their willingness to upskill in an area that they're personally not passionate about that makes them a better coach or leader. And so I can I can always see a difference in the kind of facility that hosts a seminar like mine and the kind of facility that doesn't want to. And it's exactly what you've said because it's their attitude to the rest of their life that is demonstrated through their attitude to this. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the top performers in anything, anything across the board, like even the top CEOs of a business, they didn't get there Mm -hmm. because they skipped steps or they like this thing or that thing. They did all of it. Like they did every bit of it. I mean, you look at Rich Froning, he did, you think he enjoys running? Like running's like his favorite thing. But no, he goes out and hires a coach because he didn't do good at it. You know, that like those sort of things. People who want to succeed will humble themselves and go and learn how to do things that they don't necessarily think are fun. But I actually, what I learned in actually doing more rowing workouts is that it is one of the best tools to get in shape no matter what. Like if I had to pick some essential items to have in my gym, which I don't have a rower, we're working at getting one, but it would be that kettlebell. It would be mm-hmm. a kettlebell, maybe a dumbbell, but then a rower. Like you, just yeah. those three things, and you can be one of the fittest humans ever. Totally agree. I completely agree. Yeah, and it's, it is actually super versatile the way you can use it. And um, I'm putting together like a, a bunch of workouts I want to lead people through um, on Instagram in the next little bit because I've really shied away from leading workouts, writing workouts. I'm really technique focused and I'm really um, about people improving their performance and overall movement rather than movement capabilities rather than just getting a sweat on. Um, But I understand that we're in a period where people kind of need that. But it's like I've kind of subcategorized the workouts you can do on the rower. And I love the ski as well, but I have a rower with me right now. I actually have the rower right behind me. Right now, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I know, it's so funny. Um, and it's like you can do power training. You can actually do like power endurance. You can do endurance. Like it's amazing what you can actually do. So you're right. And it's so funny. I get asked every single day. Every single day, somebody writes to me and they ask me if I work for Concept Two and if I can get them a discount. And the answer is no to both of those things. Um, I can't. I don't work for Concept Two, and I can't get anybody a discount. They gave me a seventeen dollar discount on my ski erg, which I bought, and um, which I almost wish they hadn't given me that discount because it kind of felt a bit like, oh, I got seventeen dollars off. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can have that. I'll just pay full price. Thanks. 
Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I promote product to everyone. But uh, I think it's important to understand that they're a company that doesn't employ people like me to do this. I do this because I genuinely believe in it, not because I work for them. And so their whole marketing strategy is not to get influencers or, you know, anybody to say they love their product. It's literally to make the best product in the world and they've done it. Yeah, I agree. Nobody's really competed with them as far as like making a high quality item. Not to switch gears a little bit, but I kind of want to know like where did you come from an athletic background? Have you always been like in the fitness industry? Did you come from something else? Um, what what drove you towards this thing? Awesome. Um, I am. Uh, I have always been really interested in sport. I played every sport I could get my hands on as a little kid, and um, we even have a sport in Australia that you don't have in America called netball, and it's kind of like a combination of basketball and handball and lacrosse and volleyball. <laughs> um, it, it's awesome. It's like it, it's closest to basketball, but um, I, I played a lot of basketball and netball and tennis and softball and um, soccer and everything I could get my hands on growing up. And then at about 17, I started to get like a little bit fat and um, really worrying about my weight. And when I look back now, I didn't actually get a little bit fat. I just started worrying that I was getting fat and I became pretty obsessed with it. And so sport went from being like really fun for me and seeing my friends and um, team oriented uh, to using sport as a means to like burn calories and it took so much of the joy away um for me and was interesting because i was a really high level basketballer here and in basketball you need to be strong and hold your stand uh, stance and um i started to become obsessed that i wanted to be skinny instead and it really affected my performance then um athletically and I kind of went through a period then when I started getting a lot worse at basketball because I started trying to be skinnier and it just kind of messed with my whole ability to progress in the sport as well as you know my body image and confidence and everything so it took a bit of a turn at about 17 to 18 when I decided to get more into like the gym and the gym training and stuff and I kind of went through about a four-year period where I really struggled with um, like yo-yo dieting, binge eating, um, all that kind of, you know, um, not so fun stuff and um, then kind of came out the other side knowing that I really wanted to work in fitness and help other people that um, didn't feel great about their bodies and teach them to love movement and how that will actually impact the way that their body not only looks but feels and performs and all of that. And I felt like there was such a focus, and this is we're going all the way back to like 2002 right now, um, but there was such a focus on the gym being specifically to make women smaller. And I can't really speak for what it was doing for men because I'm not a man and I wasn't really interested in what it was doing for men. I was very specifically just wanted to work with women because I had had this experience and I wanted women particularly to have this outlet where they were allowed to want to be stronger and bigger and better and more able and, and stronger not just physically but um, mentally as well. And I became really, really... Um, obsessed with kind of the female empowerment movement and I worked for a few years there um, just training women, just working in fitness with women and um, really trying to link up for them the way that they behave in a training environment can impact the way that they behave in real life and uh, like that whole kind of thing and and what kept happening in that period was really funny I had so many men that wanted to train with me and I was like I don't want to train men because I just don't like I don't get you guys like I I mean I, I'm 35 now I still don't understand men and um <laughs> probably won't ever but I I love working with and training men now too because I've realized that all these things that I'm obsessed with is not a gender 
specific thing. It's like everyone can want to be strong and, and everyone can get strong and everyone can, you know, get stronger in a training environment and get stronger in life and all that stuff doesn't matter like if you're a man or you're a woman. And so I, you know, at about 25 decided to open my first ever gym and and in the period leading up to that, I'd been studying at university, um, my undergraduates in sociology and public health. So um, I, yeah, so I um, was training, um, I finished my degrees, opened a gym, and the year that I opened a gym, I also got accepted to study law and I at law school. And so I was like, okay, well, which avenue do I pursue? Do I pursue the area that I'm really passionate about, which is helping people and helping people live better and love their training and be better versions of themselves? Or do I pursue something that has always kind of been bubbling beneath the surface, which is going to law school? And uh, my big dream was always to work in human rights. So, and I remember I had a conversation with a client and she was like, Jane, you absolutely love helping people. And I want you to know that you don't have to help the poorest or the you know biggest minority group to have an impact on the world. You've helped me. And I'm like kind of the whipped cream in that I can pay for personal training. I can afford access to something like this, but you've made my life better. And that was a really interesting point in my life because I, I'd always thought that to help people of the world, you have to help the um, most marginalized. And now I realize that even smiling at somebody when you walk past or being nice to your partner is helping change the world. And anyway, in long story short, I couldn't make the decision, so I decided to study my law degree part-time and open the gym. And hilariously, I'm still going with this law degree. It's taken me nine years. <laughs> um, I am in my last ever semester right now, and it's I almost lost my position in the law degree because I passed the use-by date of having to finish it. I found out at the start of this year I'd actually reached the point where you, like, can't keep going because you've been going so long. And so I had to, like, beg for my place back. And um, But it's been really interesting because, you know, I owned my gym for three years, was studying law and then sold my gym and then I started a podcast, kept studying law, and then I decided one day that, I was going to really focus and this was it was genuinely like within a day I decided to really focus on the rower and skier and the main reason was I was doing this course in Salt Lake City called Jim Jones and I had to do a sub 7 minute 52k row and a sub 7 minute 52k ski and I went over and tested my row because I was like mm, I'm big and strong and I you know can pull really hard on the rower and I'll just like put it to a tan and it like chewed me up and spat me out and I think I got like an 805 or something and I was like why can't I do this like that's really weird and so I started calling all these rowing coaches in Melbourne and then like within a day I was like no none of these rowing coaches are speaking to the fitness community about a piece of equipment that's in every single gym and why is that why is there a dis disconnect between rowing for fitness or performance and rowing and it's like I was like I want to bridge that gap because when I sold my gym I was like what am I doing with my life I, I still didn't want to be a lawyer um, but I was really 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 focused on finishing it at that point um, and all those years ago and um, <laughs> but yeah I decided I was like I want to bridge that gap I want to learn everything I can about this piece of equipment and about this sport and I want to bring it to every single gym because I thought I knew enough to get by and thinking you know enough is the biggest indication to you that you know absolutely nothing and you have so much to learn. And so I kind of spent about 12 months traveling around the world and this is while I was still running my podcast and interviewing people, but I, I trained with every single person that was awesome on the rower and I learned from every single person I could their entire method and the funny thing I've learned is there's so many different actual ways to row correctly and I've put together the way that I think fits 
the people who I work with the most and I adapt what I know to the person in front of me. Like the way I might teach you might be slightly different to somebody else. And so, yeah, and then it was it was through that that the ski erg became a bit of a thing and it was funny because I didn't want to touch it. I was like, had to do my test and no one was teaching correct ski erg technique. It was the complete opposite to rowing where there were like hundreds of people worldwide teaching at really, really high level nobody was teaching the ski erg it was like just almost didn't exist and it was funny because I went and ran a a rowing seminar and this was the first ever rowing seminar I I ever ran and I I remember the gym owner rang me the next day and he was away at the time and he just actually asked me to cover his gym and it was in the like mountain region here in Victoria so like a three and a half hour drive from Melbourne and he was like oh Janie I gotta go and you know, do Spartan or something, can you just cover my gym for this week? And I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, can I do this thing? It's, I've called it Project Row. It's like a bit of a rowing seminar. And he was he was like, I actually don't care um, <laughs> what you do. Just like, no regard for what I'm going to do as being anything groundbreaking. And anyway, so I ran this rowing seminar. I Everybody showed up for their class and I turned their class into a rowing seminar. And people loved it. And it was really cool because it went from people being like, the rower, to them being like, I can't wait to practice this. And and I realized that so much of that wasn't just the content of what I was teaching, but the way that I was teaching it. And so the next day he rings me and he goes, Janie, uh, what did you do to everybody last night? And I was like, oh, my God, that doesn't sound like a good question. He goes, everybody loved it. I've received text messages from everybody. He goes, can you do the same thing on the ski erg tonight? And I still remember I just went, yeah. And I, like, got off the phone and I went to Google and I Googled how to ski erg. Oh, no. (laughs) Like three posts. And you know when you Google something, it's like 16 million, 800,000 things. You got to decipher, like, which is the real thing and which is the fake thing. And this one's just three. With this. Like there was a concept two video for Nordic skiers, and there was this guy Sam Locke, who's just like amazing Australian rower, uh, just doing a workout on the ski erg. And I remember I was watching the two of them, and Sam Locke's like 250 pounds, like this big like like powerlifter now, and was a rower. And then there was this tiny little skinny person on the concept two one, and I was like what these people are doing is very different. And <laughs> my experience had been Jim Jones, which if you know anything about Jim Jones, they're like meatheads. Like, and, and like I'm a closet meathead, so I say that in a very fond way. But it's like they do that whole butterfly around the thing. They, you know, they're big, jacked people. They train the people from, you know, 300 movie and Wonder Woman and big, jacked people. Anyway, so I'm like, hmm, there is a real, like, variation in the approach to this machine. What could actually be right? And... It was funny because I, I went outside and I just I played on the ski erg for ages and that very first project ski was just ball slams and ski erg for an hour. Like I just made people ball slam and ski erg and I laugh about that all the time because everyone had the best time ever. I didn't teach them anything about technique. I just made them really enjoy the ski erg. And since then, it's taken me three years, but I'm so proud of the product that project ski is because I've worked a lot with biomechanists to make sure what we teach is, you know, biomechanically sound, but it, it deviates from what Concept2 teach and it's it's different to their technique. It's not Nordic. It's not a meathead technique. It's my own version and I'm really proud of that because it took a lot of guts to persevere with that because I got in the first year especially so much criticism about it because it wasn't anything that existed yet. And um, and now I'm fine with it because I see it everywhere and I'm like, oh, you haters that in the beginning <laughs> thought that, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about. They were right. And <laughs> I, had to, I had to get backing from people who really knew what they were talking about. But, but I'm excited by what I've brought to that world because it didn't exist before I came along and it probably still wouldn't exist now because people are too scared to, to stand up and invent something and cop a lot of criticism. And you've done so many crazy things just in that short little period of time. We went through like a body image issue and an eating, like all the eating disorders type of things that you, that like 
a woman would go through and then to owning your own business and a law degree and having to choose between these things and saying yes to all these deals. But it, it sounds like you're whatever you love, you get obsessed about. Yeah. And then that's it, it can be a, you turned it from a bad thing, which was the, the body image thing that I'm sure a lot of women go through and men go through it too in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've always been yeah. a real thin guy, like just a skinny guy, um, athletic, small and skinny. And I, you know, you see a Jack dude walking around, you're like, Oh dude, I want to be like that warrior right there, you know? And, yeah. and so there's a lot of things and that guys will go through the same sort of deal, not nearly as bad as women, but you've gone, you had that going on where you were pursuing that so much. So it hurt your hobby. You know, the thing that you love to do, play basketball, it was hurting that, but you're like, no, I need to look a certain way. And you turn that obsession around into something so totally positive that now you're actually coaching people and helping them out along the way to enjoy other things, which is really fascinating if you think about it. Like, did anybody nudge you that direction or did you just do it yourself? I just did it myself. And it's really interesting, your analysis of it. I love hearing people's, um, you know, like their perception because you know when you're yourself you just have been doing what you do and then somebody like plays it back to you and you go that's actually pretty cool like I'm actually pretty (laughs) proud about that um but no I think that one of the funny things is my dad would love to see me have finished my law degree five years ago and be working as a lawyer so he was definitely nudging me in that direction (laughs) um in terms of No, I think I just decide to do stuff and it's exactly what you said. I do get obsessed with stuff and I don't see that as a bad thing and it's interesting to look at the ability to redirect my energy that I I seem to have and I do have a lot of determination but I still remember in my like late teens and early 20s how much it dominated my life. Not wanting to be fat dominated my life and it was an absolute obsession. Like I didn't go out, you know, socializing with friends. I was, you know, I didn't want to, you know, anybody to see me, all that kind of stuff to then the opposite now, which is I'm constantly in front of my own camera, in front of people and I I love to think of myself as celebrating looking normal. Um rather than looking great because that entertains people more it turns out like me in my pajamas with my hair everywhere seems to bring people a lot of joy and i'm like well i'm I'm happy to be that person (laughs) well it's i mean it's real life and to be honest like it's it's not and you think our perception of what like our individual perception of what looks great on us isn't always great if that makes sense. Like we, we, we would think something is so like, Oh, it needs to be this way for it to be good for other people to like me. It's like, no, you need to be what the way you're naturally built. Like that's so important. And, and then, but figuring that out, it's really, it's really, I don't think obsessions is a bad thing. I I get obsessed Mm -hmm. about everything that I get into. I mean, I, I could tell it over and over again. Rollerblading was my obsession. I, I, can see wheels spinning in slow motion still at certain moments in time when I was 15 and I'm almost 40, you know, it's, I, I know moments of that and I've forgotten so many other things, but I know just about every moment from when I was 15 to 17, every single day, it was an obsession. Like I loved every moment and I don't regret any of it. it. It was like, it was healthy. So there's, if you channel that into some sort of healthy deal, if you've got that personality, then just channel it into something good that you have fun doing that's yeah. healthy for you. I mean, find those things because you're never going to get rid of that obsessiveness. It's not going to go away. It yeah. just lasts. It just keeps going. But I think that's one tool that you, like your personality and the way it is, like your obsession about it helps you to be such a great teacher and coach of the rower and skier or any, like you said, anything you want to be, but this program which is really kind of cool. It's really awesome because you've built it and explained. I, I know just from watching your Instagram videos and your your uh, your page that kind of like 
that you're all over the place. You're not just in Australia. But mm-hmm. explain to people a little bit about your company and your program and where you go and what you do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I uh, absolutely love travel and I absolutely love America. And the reason I love America is because it's like the average American's default emotion is enthusiasm, whereas <laughs> the average Australian's default emotion is not enthusiasm. It's like enthusiasm's kind of uncool here. Like it's like if you're enthusiastic or, or obsessive about things, it's kind of like whoa, like that's just too much. The the default is kind of like what we'd refer to as laid back, like laid back here in Australia. And so I just love the enthusiasm of the average American, which is just the normal way that you guys have been socialized and raised. And and the other key difference between America and Australia is that in Australia, it's like if somebody gets really good at something, it's called the tall poppy syndrome where you need to like chop off their you know, stem and bring them back down to size. You don't you don't want to be that person that you know, rises um, because everybody else will want to drag you down. Whereas what, is, what, did you call, like what did you call it? The tall poppy syndrome. So a poppy is like a flower yeah. and it's in the flower, the field of all the other poppies. And it's like, if one flower rises up, it's like, it's got to be cut down so that they all still appear the same. And, and comparatively in America, it's like, it's, you, you all want to be, amazing like you want to work hard and and grow and be the best that you can be and it's it's very different um in australia to america and so both of those uh attributes of america have meant that i've traveled to america um i think it's like 16 times now for seminars just for seminars on rowing and skier just so people know Mm -hmm. like you like when you're here how many sessions do you try to hit when you make a trip I try to hit about eight. So eight, eight total, eight seminars while you're here. So you spend a good lengthy amount of time. How long do the seminars last? Uh, two days. Two days. Okay. And yeah. and it's really funny because a lot of gyms at first are like, maybe we'll just do one day. And I'm like, okay. And then we finish the one day and they're like, so when can you come back? And I'm like, well, I live in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the seminars have become two days because – of me and because I love teaching so much that I want to spend longer with people but uh, uh, often the gym owner will be like people don't want to give up their whole weekend on skiing and rowing and I'm like okay and I just like let them go with it and I'll do the one day and then everyone will be like why isn't this two days and I'm like yeah now you're all regretting it <laughs> but um I have an inability to be concise I don't know if you've um you've been able to tell that from now already but um so i have run more seminars in america than australia and it's a lot less convenient for me to come to america but i'll go to about eight different gyms whenever i tour the u.s and uh all all across and i'll try and be really smart with my uh itinerary and uh you know not travel um east to west to east uh but Sometimes I'll have an entire itinerary planned and then a gym in America will see that I'm coming over and be like, please, can you squeeze us in? So like the worst I've done is I think I went from Delaware to Portland, Oregon, to LA, to Vermont, back to LA. And that was like, I was like, this is a really big country. That was too much. Um, (laughs) But I've just so many places in America, which has been amazing. But yeah, so the way that I made it work, it was really interesting. At the very beginning, I didn't have a big picture goal with it. I just was like, I just had the underlying values uh, of I just really, really want to work with people and have them really excited about moving their body correctly. I just wanted people to be excited about doing something right and what that shows them about the regard they have for their body and then their life. So the underlying values of Project Row and Project Ski are very much unrelated to rowing and skiing. It's uh, it's really, really um, about the regard you have for yourself and your life. And so 
I started with that and then I layered it to rowing and skiing and learning how to teach that really well. And then I just started running random seminars here at home and inviting my friends. <laughs> and all my friends are like, oh my God, we've got to go to another one of Jane's seminars this weekend. And it was as like makeshift as that. It was like 20 bucks, come along, it's 45 minutes and half the people there were my friends. And anyway, it just started gaining a little bit of traction. And and what I'd done in my period where I ran my podcast and was learning how to become a rowing coach was I'd done a lot of uh, training and coaching courses, especially in America. And so I'd built up a lot of – a really big network of gym owners as well as a network of um, people who, uh, like, you know, run these kinds of trainings. And so I had a really great network of really – powerful people in the fitness industry and so one day I actually just sent out an email to everybody I knew that owned a gym and I was like I'm running these seminars I really think it would be a value to you and to your members because of a b and c I'd really love to come to your gym and I heard back I still remember I heard back from seven gym owners in America and I was like I'm just gonna do it and these first seminars I ran I remember I charged the gym like 500 or 750 dollars which if you've ever flown from Australia to America (laughs) that really doesn't cover your costs yep and um I remember I went that was when I went to Houston and Austin and I went to San Francisco and Portland Oregon and um Iowa City New York and uh, Minneapolis you get to see a little bit of every flavor on your first trip then Oh, I really have. And I have learned about America that in within America, it's like there's different countries. Like it's like you can cross over out of the Midwest and come to the South and then, you know, the East Coast is very different to the West Coast and the mountain region. Like it's it's been really interesting. Like I've done seminars in Wyoming, in Utah, Iowa, Ohio, um, you know, New York, Delaware, Texas, California. Like I've been to so many places and seeing such a, a vast array of America. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it really did start with, you know, reaching out, asking for it. I created, I managed to create content through the delivery of the seminars and then it just has, it, it didn't snowball. It rolled very, very slowly, picking up very small amounts of moss along the way or whatever you'd say, but like, <laughs> It, it really has been three years of me constantly putting myself out there and hearing no's from a lot of people. And I remember a gym in England because I've toured Europe and the UK multiple times and uh, I've also been to Singapore. And I still remember this guy in England who was who laughed at me with what I was doing and he was on the phone to me and he's like, I can't believe you think that anybody is going to pay you to come into their gym and teach this, like, and, and was really rude about it. And I was like, okay, buddy, watch me. And um, and it was, it's funny because that is the attitude out there a, a lot. And it hasn't really deterred me. It's just made me work harder to find the right places because it's, it's a gym that gets the underlying message that is, the training we provide you with is to make your life better. It's not just to make you better at overhead squats or handstand push-ups. It's to make your entire life better. And when a gym connects with my values, like I know they're the right gym for me as well. So when they don't, I'm like, I feel sorry for your members because you're, you're not actually taking care of them. You're just, you know, taking their money. So it has been a lot of perseverance. I have, some pretty key competitors in this area and there's three and they're like friends of mine and they're awesome and they're all men over 35 who have families and uh, it's been a really interesting uh, uh, cycle or like, you know, process here because all of them are amazing at coaching these but they have all said that they don't have a life that enables them to be able to travel the way that I do. 
And now apparently I don't have a life that enables me to travel the way I do. But <laughs> it's been a really – and they're amazing at the online side of things. And they're really great at writing programs and they're really great at leading online courses. And But something else I notice about these guys is their business is a separate um, Instagram account and also a separate kind of entity to them as an individual. And the, the main reason people – book me to come to their gym is because they feel like they know who I am because Jane Urbacher is Project Row and Project Ski and there's no separate entity that's my business. I'm my business because my business is has shares my core values and I will never put something into my business that doesn't align with my personal core values and I see that as a really important part of my product. I don't just see it as Oh, I've been willing to go on multiple trips that have actually cost me money to build the following that I have. It's that it's because it's me. It's which is a really important part. Sorry, I just kind of went off on a tangent. No, there. no, no. And um, it's such a crazy important thing to to mm. that it's hard because especially I can you can relate it to like a time like this where there's a lot of people out of work. Maybe it's just in the service industry or whatever it is. There's a lot of people, the economy is just slowing down all over the place because of having to stay inside. And it's real easy yeah. to just feel the panic of wanting to go grab a dollar. Like I just yeah. need to go grab a dollar. Just uh, you're in, you're, you've got this thing that you care about so much in the business and you don't want to let it go. And you're like, I just need a dollar. Just give me like, just help me survive. Like I'm not going to make it, but Sticking to your guns and being like, hey, if the gym doesn't want me, then okay, bye-bye. You know, maybe they'll come back later. Maybe they won't. But I'll go to the people that want me. Totally. And I'll keep trying and I'll hear a bunch of no's. And then maybe eventually they'll come over to a yes. But sticking to your core values and letting only things in that you believe in and not just saying it because that's what people want to hear or you think that's what people want to hear. You're trying to sell a program is – what in the long run, just like me putting my heels on the rower and not being good at first, but then later on I get better for like a little guy. I'm like, oh wow, you know, um, yeah, it, it's I'm a beast. That yeah. that sort of thing is what helps propel you, and it's really really tough yeah. to mentally stick through that hard part. Yes, you're so right, and you're that's really 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 interesting because that's exactly what I feel right now is there's this pressure in the service industry like I pretty much don't have a business right now because my business is all in person and I have never been comfortable with it not being in person like I am really like I'm so glad we're on a video call right now because if we were just on audio I wouldn't be able to see your face and your reactions and your body language and stuff and I find it really difficult to communicate with people that way and so I've been really reluctant to actually adapt to utilizing technology I'm I'm faster to get on an airplane to Wilmington Delaware than I am to make an online course so that those people can access what I do. And it's funny because we're in this period right now where I'm strangely calm about that because I know that the perseverance I've had to show in the last three years means there have been periods where my business has cost me more money than it's made me. And it's like there's been periods where that's paid off, but it's like I just see what we're in right now as a period where I have to – be creative with what I produce, but still not fighting for that dollar, like still being really clear on the fact that when the time comes around again, people will want me to do what I do again. And so uh, I think that that's, that's really interesting what you're saying. And I, I am really sad looking at the world right now, mainly because of my little bubble that I live in. Nearly everybody's lost their job. And it's like, it's crazy to see that and it's like I just am obsessed right now there's that word with doing things that make people's current daily life better and so today like what I'm doing at the moment isn't just putting out a bunch of free content on how to row correctly which is kind of what I'm spending a lot of my time doing but I'm also doing these videos for 
the members of the gyms that I have really close relationships with each day, just kind of giving them a bit of a task and giving them a little bit of a constructive talk. And it's like none of this stuff is earning me paper money, but it's earning me like currency of like, you know, love and appreciation and connection. And it's like at a time like this, money doesn't mean as much as connection. And so without being a cliche, I feel pretty rich right now, but I have no money. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of tough like there is there has to be some sort of balance like bill's got to get paid or that's a little tough but um you you're very right and i see and i don't know if this is what you're doing but this type of situation is something you know my wife's in the same sort of position where she's in the fitness industry that's what she does she she's a coach at a crossfit gym runs the kids program um we're very close with the owners of that they are i mean the nerves of owning a business in this time is, I mean, it's hard. It's really, really tough. Yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. being in their shoes. I'm looking at it from before and I'm nervous and I'm like, oh man, I can't imagine what they feel. But at the same yeah. time, uh, you know, we had this conversation like, what, do you, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, we're going to just like, you can learn, you can study, you can put stuff out, you can help other people. You can be better for when things get going normal again. Like you can totally. just, you can learn and get better from any of this stuff. And I like, I see your situation is kind of the same thing. Uh, is there anything that you, yeah. you do on the daily basis to try to think about how you can make your business better when it does come back? Yes. I think that the, the biggest thing I'm thinking about right now, because as much as I love love and connection and altruism, I love business. Like I've really in the last few years, especially built so much more confidence around business. Like I've gone from that person that um, charges 20 bucks to, you know, a person who now has like amazing systems in order to generate and continue with my business. And I'm, I'm so proud of upskilling in that area because it terrified me. Anything financial terrified me. And now it's like, I really understand it and I really respect it. But the biggest thing that I'm doing for my business right now, and this is what I recommend to anybody working in fitness, there's a couple of things. It's upskill. Like upskill, you don't have to pay any money to upskill. It could be learning how to do things that are completely unrelated to fitness and training because what I see from people in fitness and training as a coach or a trainer all the time is they are constantly asking asking their clients to get out of their comfort zone and do things that they don't like doing like their client, it might be burpees, it might be thrusters, it might be, you know, muscle ups, whatever it is, they're constantly saying, do this thing because you're not good at it and it will make you better at it. And then I see a trainer and a coach refusing to do the things in their life that, and I'm not saying your wife is like this at all, but doing the things in their life that makes them uncomfortable. And maybe it is, you know, getting their finances in order. Maybe it is marketing. Maybe it is getting in front of a camera. Maybe it is creating an online program maybe it is calling people whatever it is that thing that makes you squirm and uncomfortable is what you're constantly asking your clients to do and so do that thing because that's what's going to create uh the character you need post this virus and during this virus it's not just and i see trainers all over instagram right now just doing the thing that they're good at better training harder putting more workouts out there and it's like that's not getting out of your comfort zone at all that's completely your comfort zone just because it's other people's discomfort doesn't mean that that makes you any better do the things set up the systems do the back end stuff work on the business like work on what your business is going to look like if it survives in this next two months like ask your members to pay a a minimum membership fee and provide them with online zoom coaching even if that makes you uncomfortable you've got to see the bigger picture of the skill development outside of just the fitness side of things and and that's what i i'm seeing in the fitness industry and that's what's going to make or break people's business now it's their willingness to do the work that isn't their favorite stuff to do it isn't the back squats or the deadlifts or the 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 rope climbs or the fun stuff that people love to do it's the box jump that you think that you can't jump on that's the wooden box and <laughs> with hashing guns oh, um, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, I would say the other thing that I think is so important and I think that this is the area that people think that they're constantly doing but they're 
not doing it very well and it's engagement and connection and the reason I have a business that I have isn't and somebody asked me the other day he goes are you the best rowing coach in the world and I laughed and I was like I mean I could say yes to you but I I'd be lying I'm not the best rowing coach in the world I'm really good at coaching it and I'm really good at coaching skiing and I but I'm not the best I'm just the person who's willing to put myself in front of the most amount of people and make the most amount of mistakes but the reason I'm in gyms over all over the world and these people who are far better coaches than me aren't is because I've asked for it and I've engaged with my audience in a genuine real way and as Jane not as this coach it's as me and often in my pajamas or um you know or or whatever with my dog and on a selfie video and it's like that's that's the center point of the service industry is connection and engagement it's do you know your audience personally and what are you willing to do to get to know them and I do a lot of coaching for people on Instagram and I am teaching them it's not about the content you put out there, it's about the content that you engage with. It's who in your audience or who isn't in your audience can you genuinely build a relationship with on Instagram. And my friend Paul, who was on this podcast, Paul Watkins. um, Oh, man, such a solid dude. The best. Like, I honestly have him on the biggest pedestal that anybody can have and he never disappoints me. Like... (laughs) just the greatest person that I've ever met and we've done work together on his Instagram and it's really funny because in the very beginning he was quite skeptical and he was like "Mm, I don't know about any of this stuff Jane I don't think I've got time blah blah blah. anyway I don't know if you've seen his stories in the last few weeks (laughs) I I comment on just about every one of them because he's so funny he's hilarious with like honesty there's like an honest to him, and then whenever you see his face actually say it, it's even better. Like, he's great it's at it. <laughs> it is, it's just, like, I was like, send me lessons on how to do it this well. You are just amazing at, at everything. Anything he decides to do, he just becomes so exceptionally good at it. It's just beyond anything. He's beyond anything I've ever met, but I, I love him so much, and he's so amazing, but... It was interesting in the very beginning I kept saying to him you need to speak to the people in your audience like comment on their posts like write back to them like if you see something cool come up on Instagram and you think it's cool don't just like it write to them and say this content you're putting out there is really good like good for you keep up the good work like become their friend in a real and genuine way like build a real relationship and so what I'd be saying to people like your wife right now it's like what does she need at the end of this to survive in her career and what she needs is she needs genuine relationships and connections with her clients that feel like they've really missed her or they need her and so she needs to maintain contact with them maybe it's through a video message maybe it's through when they post their workout it's her you know writing I'm so proud of you keeping this up whatever it is it's genuinely staying in connection and in relationship and and engaged with the people in front of you while also upskilling in the areas that seem unrelated to your vocation or career and and all of that will mean that you have a career at the end that you're actually better at and you have a better following as well i and i i really dig i hadn't really thought of it that way but i really dig what you just said in like upskilling especially and what ties to like if you're let's just say fitness industry is what you're in and or you could say anything in the service industry like a restaurant bar whatever it is like whatever your deal is if you deal with people on a daily basis you go to do some of these marketing things and you learn how to communicate better whatever mm-hmm. like that's going to transfer over into more members of your gym more people in your restaurant more people in your business when it gets done because you're going to you're going to have a skill that you didn't have so that upskill thing is fantastic that's like yeah. one of the best ideas and the communicating especially if it's genuine like if it just comes from you like oh man i really like this car that dude has social media yeah. is like as much as i fought it for so long because the only reason I have it is for the podcast. That's it. I I really prefer to be 
face to face with the people. If I don't talk to you that way, then, you know, okay. I mean, it doesn't mean I hate you. Just you're in my life at the moment and or not, you know, that sort of thing. But because yeah. <laughs> I like to connect with people and I, I've really learned that like some connecting and communicating with people in social media is kind of the way we do it now. And yeah. And so commenting on stuff like that, people feel like, Oh wow, somebody really liked my truck or somebody really liked the way I kicked that soccer ball or whatever it is, whatever you're commenting on, they feel it's just like being in person with them and commenting on how good they do. Exactly. And I always liken it to like the, the way I start off coaching someone with Instagram is like, I'm like, okay, so you know that guy that walks into a party and just like big notes himself, talks about everything he's done, or you could talk about the CrossFit gym. That guy that walks into CrossFit and is like, dude, did you see like I snatched 300 pounds yesterday and I did this and I did that. And it's like, you don't want to be that guy. Like, no. do you want to be that guy? No. no. You want to be the guy that walks in and is like, Hey man, how are you today? How's your dog going? Like, yeah, I, you know, I've got a dog, blah, blah, blah. Like, build a real relationship. It's the whole real life thing. And it's like everybody is just like pumping Instagram with content. And it's like, be the person who celebrates others genuinely and, and inquires on others and, you know, connects with them. And then, you know, share your wins and stuff too. Like, don't keep that a secret, but also share your you know, your vulnerabilities and your worries and, and all that stuff in a really genuine way. Yeah. Vulnerability is, I I've said it like a hundred times on here, but being vulnerable is so important. Like to, to make a connection with somebody, like to really let somebody in, it doesn't have to be someone you're trying to date or whatever. It's, this is like on a level, like I had a guy come up to me and is one of the greatest thing. and, And I consider him a good friend now, but he came up to me like, so what are you about? And then we're at the gym. It's, you know, we're kind of in between the workout in class. And then the conversation carried over to afterwards into, and then he, after I get done telling him like, Hey, you know, maybe one day I'd like to own my own business and run my own thing, you know, and, or whatever it is. And he goes, I kind of figured that about you. You know, like he, he was genuinely yeah. wanting to find out about me and what I liked and where yeah. I wanted my podcast to go and why I did it. And, and it was a genuine yeah. conversation with somebody and that made me feel awesome. Like it made me feel good. And I connected with another human being and then you become friends with yeah. them and you care about them. And that's what life's all about. That's the little things that life's, so are, life's about is, uh, is that connection. Totally. And for surface stuff, not just like, what have you been doing? Like, you know, have you been to this place? And, and that's why I think we're in such an amazing period right now because it's like, the conversations that we have the opportunity to have right now doesn't need to be surface stuff. It's like, what are you afraid of? How are you going to like, like that conversation about your wife and the fitness industry in general, it's like, we don't get to have that conversation because we're too busy doing the thing all the time. And now it's like to somebody like your wife, it's like, okay, so draw back on why you're in this industry at all. Like what, what is the reason that drives you to be a part of this? Use that to figure out how you can stay a part of it and, and do it better next time. Yeah, and talking about it and having, like, that's one thing about us, like, uh, especially her, she definitely has been a big part of me having more genuine conversations with people in that sense because she's very much a no non, like, small talk doesn't go real far. She's like, it's meaningful or it's not. Yeah. And then there's no in between. Yeah. And so I really love that. Like, I really enjoy it. And I've figured out through that and through the podcast and everything else how to communicate and have more genuine conversations and be more vulnerable than, you know, the other direction. So you can have, if you're feeling that, you might as well talk about it. Like, it's not scary to go like, hey, I'm a gym owner or I'm a restaurant, I'm a business owner and I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I really don't know what I'm going to, you don't have to, just because you're the leader of something doesn't mean that you have all the answers all the time. And that you don't get nervous. Yeah. So yeah. you, I mean, you, you feel more pressure than the people looking up to you to make a decision. Definitely. Exactly. And then the whole thing with the skill acquisition, I really like, I love looking at CrossFit and, and demonstrating how as a sport, CrossFit has shown the importance of skill acquisition across so many, like, 
you know, genres. Um, like I think about one of the main reasons rowers hate coaching fitness people to row is because it's like if you look at CrossFit, CrossFit's basically rowing's cousin, and CrossFit's <laughs> come along and gone, hey that thing that you do is really cool. I'm going to make that one of the hundred things that we do and I'm going to get really good at it and probably be better at it than most of the people in your sport. And rowing's like, excuse me, who do you think you are? I am not giving you any of my secrets. You can just try and figure it out yourself. Okay. And so it's like, and then I'm like the stepmom who's come along and is like, well, I can take their secrets and give them to you. But it's like CrossFit has made it. CrossFit is so such an amazing, um, what do you say, like a microcosm or like, um, you know, whatever you say, but for real life, it's like to be exceptional at CrossFit, you can't just be strong, you can't just be fast, you can't just have good endurance, you can't just be a weightlifter, you can't just be a gymnast, you can't just be a roller, you can't just be good at jumping, climbing, bodyweight stuff, you have to be good at all of them which means you have to do the stuff you don't like and get really good at it. And usually it means you have to do the stuff that you really like less because you're already really good at it. And so if people could just understand that their training program in CrossFit is pretty much what they need to pick up and put onto their whole life, they're going to become exceptional at that too. And it's, it's funny because a lot of gyms I work with are like, oh, we don't like releasing the workout early because people cherry pick. And I'm like, well, let them because then they're going to start missing out on the core strengths that they need to like have. But yeah, so I think that anybody involved with CrossFit as a coach or anything gets that. They get that here and it's just them being able to then apply it to out there. It's like the whole upskill thing. You like... The whole deal, like whatever you're deficient of skill, pick a skill, try to get better at it. Yeah. You don't have to be the best, but just get a little better. And totally. then you have that in your tool bag and you don't have to be scared of it or afraid or nervous or whatever it is. You can still work on exactly. everything that makes it fun and enjoyable for you. Just transfer that fun and enjoyment over into learning something else. That's why you like the thing in the first place. That's, totally. that's what makes you enjoy it. This has been an absolute blast. I love this. This is so awesome. Yeah. It's so good. I love to interview you because now, like, I've got to write this down. What are you about is exactly what the guy asked you, right? Did it freeze? Are you still there? Hold on. Let me pause. All right, so we're back fun. now. You're back. We got you back. Woo, sorry you about fro- that. You froze with a gigantic smile on your face, if that makes <laughs> you feel any better. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Uh, it would be like, I've lived, it, it's, it doesn't seem that fascinating to me, but then I've also learned, I can't say that because everybody's fascinating in some sort of shape yeah. or form, you know? Um, so true. yeah, it really is. Thank you so much for being, let everybody know where they can find about your seminars, um, yes. catch up with you on the Instagram, um, yes. now, all that stuff, all the things that you have to offer. I mean, even if they just follow you on Instagram for inspiration, it's like, it's like the woman Paul Watkins. It's awesome. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's like the greatest compliment of my life. <laughs> so I Instagram's just my name, so it's Jane which a lot of people look at how it's written and can't figure out how to pronounce it. But it's just I have to. Um, I'll spell it with my accent, and then I'll spell it with my American accent. So it's E R V A C H E R, which Americans are always like, "Did you just say the same letter?" Like eight times um so i say it with an american accent i say e r b a d h e r was that better (laughs) 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 no it's very memorable (laughs) it was yeah i don't know if better is the right word i like the australian accent if you have it as natural just roll with it rebranded i as in we are being myself um to erg army so i'm the biggest harry potter fan and uh, do you like harry potter oh my stepdaughter loves it so i have seen every single movie with her i've watched them all so i know i know some like little bits about it i can't go into detail but i do know and then she'll say something and we'll get in conversation with like i'm literally talking about harry potter right now 
I know, it's the best. And so <laughs> I, I love it so much. And so my business name, Erg Army, is named after Dumbledore's army in towards the end. Uh, um, they have to create this kind of like underground um, army to fight against the baddies, basically. And so I named my uh, my business after that. And um, so, yeah, I'm a massive geek. And so we're just redoing the, the website right now. And I'm definitely talking about a we when I say that because that is not in my wheelhouse. So I've got people helping with that. So I am going to get really uncomfortable in the next couple months because I am going to create some online courses. So um, if people... Uh, if I can't travel, basically, it means I'm going to still be trying to bring some value to people. So that'll all be on that website. So that's Ergami. And it's probably easier to spell than my surname. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. I've had, I had a lady on last time. I'm like, okay, I need you to tell me how to say your name because that looks, looks like a bunch of letters. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> And I mean, she said it and I was like, oh, it makes sense. And then as soon as I, I repeated it a bunch of times and then when we hung up, I was like, oh man, I really hope I don't mess this up in the intro. Totally. Yeah. It's God, scary. God. But yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So go check out all of her stuff. Follow her on Instagram. Like her pages. Like you, you won't be disappointed in any of it. Check it out and see what she has to offer with the wrong stuff. Thank you so much, Jane, for being on. Thank you so much, Aaron. That was the best. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned into this episode of the podcast. Thank you again to Jane for being on the show. Really appreciate it. That was a blast. Don't forget to like, rate, and review the podcast on your listening platform. Screenshot it, repost it on social media, tag us and the guest, whatever it may be. Just know we appreciate you so much for doing any of that. It really helps us out. And until the next episode, see ya.